I'm Toby Leary from Cape Gunworks. I'm passionate about all things Second Amendment. While I love to shoot... Going hot. There is so much more to guns than just pulling the trigger. A free and armed society is a responsible and self-reliant one. Join us to talk all things guns, freedom, and self-defense. It isn't just about being armed. It's about being responsibly armed. So load and make ready. This is Rapid Fire. Welcome to Rapid Fire, your weekly talk show about all things 2A, sponsored by Vortex Optics. Tune in each week at rapidfireradio.us to join the conversation. And now you can call or text the Rapid Fire line, 508-444-2120. That's 508-444-2120. And remember to like us on all of our social media platforms. Our handle is at Cape Gunworks on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Parlor, Twitch, Telegram, Rumble, and probably a couple other ones. I think we're on Truth Social. Um, but we're not at Cape Gunworks. On Instagram, we are still shadow banned or banned or deplatformed or Zuckerberg, however you want to call oh it, um, on Instagram. So our handle there is CGW underscore backup. And we are still fighting and appealing and trying to get our original page back. But it's been a, a long walk into a long walk off a short pier, as the saying goes. That's about... Uh, you know, as Howie Carr likes to say, when the phone doesn't ring, we'll know it's them. Uh, so they're not exactly jumping through hoops to get our page back. And I don't know if we ever will. So uh, we're going to be taking your questions later. So don't forget that rapid fire line, 508-444-2120. That's 508-444-2120. And uh, we're also going to be talking about the news of the day as it relates to firearms. There's all kinds of stuff going on. We have lawsuits popping off left and right all across America, which is good to see. And um, we also have a lot of uh, gun control tyrants scrambling and uh, trying to get their um, <laughs> trying to get their gun control bills signed expediently. So I know that's happened in New York, New Jersey. Um, and you know, they're, they're not happy unless they're banning your guns and you're infringing upon your rights. So they feel that that is, um, incumbent upon them to keep you safe in your communities because the mere presence of guns makes everybody less safe. According to these anti-gun politicians, even though the statistics say otherwise, they, you can easily point to some of the heavily gun-controlled areas of our country as one of the most violent and deadly areas of our country as well. You look at um, St. Louis, you can look at Detroit and Chicago, uh, you can look at Compton and L.A., and um, as well as even Boston and New York City. Um, I know last night on the news there was a report that four people got shot in Boston, um, which is pretty close to home here. And, you know, if you look at what the governor and the attorney general in their joint statement released, how proud they are of Massachusetts gun control, keeping the people of Massachusetts safe and statistically we're safer than uh, most of the country, uh, areas of the country. But if you look at um, gun control and 
in the Northeast. We are by far the heavily, most heavily gun-controlled state in the Northeast, and in, especially in New England. And guess what? We're also one of the most violent states in the Northeast, especially in New England. And uh, I was talking to Mike Harris, who's going to be a guest on the show a little bit later, um, about how, and he's the director of public policy for Gun Owners Action League, uh, or also known as Goal. And he was saying that Goal did a study in 2018 that showcased that Massachusetts is by far the most violent state in the Northeast. And I've been saying it, but I didn't know who actually conducted the research and Gun Owners Action League did. And um, that's, to me, that's, you know, the argument, end of the argument right there. So we have politicians that like to conflate things and say that because of our strict gun control, we're one of the safest states in the in the country, but yet we're the most violent state in the Northeast, even with all of our gun control. And, and uh, so gun control works everywhere it's tried to raise crime rate and raise violence in inner cities, especially when you think about the, um, the, the metrics of it. Gun control prohibits law-abiding responsible people from access to firearms, makes it punitive to uh, get licensed. It makes it, you know, one obstacle after another for people to exercise the right to keep and bear arms. So the flip side of the coin of that is it doesn't do a dang thing for the violent criminals It because they're criminals by definition and they don't care what the laws are. They're going to continue to do crime. That's what they do. That's why they're called criminals. And so... You know, our politicians obviously understand this. So there's something much more nefarious at work, and that is they just want you disarmed because they can't control you when you're, dis- when you're armed. A well-armed, uh, you know, people is not so easily controlled. So tell us what you think. Call or text 508-444-2120. Uh, do you agree with me or do you disagree? That's okay, too. If you think I'm uh, way off on this, I'm happy to happy to talk to you about it. But anyway, so we got a lot coming up in the show, a couple guests. And uh, we also have um, the ATF has got their king and their prince. Uh, Biden's man has been confirmed in the Senate. Uh, we have uh, the alter ego of David Chipman. We got Steve Dettelback, who is an anti-gunner. Um, and thanks to two Republicans, who we actually had it served up on a silver platter for the vote yesterday because a couple of senators were out. And um, so it should have been, if it went right down party lines, he would not have been confirmed. And he is now the second ATF director to have been confirmed. Every other one was a interim director. And uh, so he got his man. Uh, Biden got something done that no one else in the past, you know, whatever, seven years have been able to do. Um, but basically, uh, Steve Dettelback, the Firearms Policy Coalition, points out he is a man who aggressively promoted universal background checks and assault weapons bans and will serve as the first permanent director since Byron Todd Jones, who stepped down in 2015. ATF has a storied history of civil rights violations, 
arming cartels, and not to mention the commission of atrocities such as those at Waco, Texas. It cannot be understated how concerning it is that an anti-rights zealot will now be taking the helm of that agency. Uh, it's, it, it is a scary thought, but that's what we're up against. And uh, so stay tuned for more on that. But we want to thank you for listening. So this week, the discount code is TRIGGER at capegunworks.com. You can get a special discount on your entire online order. And we have unbelievable ammo prices on our website. So go ahead and go to capegunworks.com and use the code TRIGGER to get your special discount today. Mike Harris from Gold is next. So stay tuned. offers the very best optics specifically made for shooters with rugged construction designed for extreme environments. Vortex Optics build quality ensures accurate, reliable, and repeatable performance every time you squeeze the trigger. Add fully multi-coated lenses and nitrogen purging, and you have a quality optic with an extremely reasonable price tag. That is the Vortex difference. Come into Cape Gunworks to see the full line of Vortex Optics today. Federal ammunition is 100. This is where the American ingenuity met a trailblazing spirit. Hard work united with patriotism and technology blended with new ideas. That's federal ammunition. Right here in Anoka, Minnesota, born in 1922, made in America, and proud to be the best. Federal ammunition, a century of innovation. And we're only getting started. your weekly show all things guns freedom second amendment and self-defense and i'm really happy to have in studio with us right now uh mike harris from he's the director of public policy at gun owners action league thanks for coming down mike oh hell yeah and making the trip no i've like i like i was saying i've always wanted to come down here i just haven't made a haven't gotten a chance to make the trip since i started at goal a year ago and uh yeah it's places like disney world i love it <laughs> well you're here better late than never as they yeah. say so uh that's good and i'm glad you got the we gave you the tour of the place and uh so um you know right now is one of those times in my lifetime the first time where i actually feel some like yeah. energy behind us and some wind in our sails yeah. right going forward and uh so i thought it was a good time to get gun owners action league to come down and jump on the uh, podcast or the radio show here, Rapid Fire, and uh, talk a little bit about that Bruin decision. How mm-hmm. it, I get a lot of questions. How does this affect us in Massachusetts? And you know, yeah. I'm like, I know what how it should affect us, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, how the rubber meets the road is what yeah. you guys deal with on on a day to day basis. Uh, uh, yeah. So I mean, we're we're getting the same questions. Yeah. You know, we every day it's. You know, can I? I have a restricted license. Can I just start carrying now wherever I want? Do I need a license anymore? It's like, well, our advice to people is like, hold on. Yeah, you saw the the guidance from the AG's office and from the governor's office and from uh, public safety and security. Like, they're not giving up without a fight. Right. So, 
the fight continues. <laughs> well, and the first, the first guidance they gave was no guidance at all. None. It was, it was yeah, well, we're really proud of what we've done here by being the most violent state in New England, <laughs> having the most strict gun laws in the state, you know, yeah. in the one of the most strict gun laws in the country. Mm-hmm. And therefore, it makes us safe, even though we're the most violent state in New England. But it's baffling. Uh, yeah. And so they're like, this doesn't change anything. And it's like, wait a minute, what? Sure does. <laughs> I'm not even like a junior law student. I've never even gone to college, and I can understand this is exactly what's going on in yeah. uh, you know this state. This decision is looking directly at you, Massachusetts. It's like you know, yeah, we're looking yeah. right at you. <laughs> I mean, we were. It, they named us right, <laughs> and what was it? Six other states. Six plus uh, the six plus DC that right. had. May issue licensing schemes. Yeah, I mean we were we were specifically mentioned. Yeah, it's time to time to take a look at ourselves and, and fix some stuff. <laughs> so then, Gun Owners of America mm-hmm. did a pointed, you know, letter. Yep, and said, uh, "No, actually, this does affect you." Yeah, and then they begrudgingly came back with this word yep. salad guidance that. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. What, so, uh, yeah, I mean, so they came back and they said, "All right, well." Fine. We'll take away the restrictions on your licenses, but we're still going to leave it up to the chiefs on whether or not they do that. Right. Which is something that we've been dealing with uh, kind of over at goal saying like, hey, my chief says I I have to wait until I reapply to get my restrictions lifted. It's like, well, you can reapply for your license whenever you want. That's Mm -hmm. always been your right to do that. Is that true? Uh, Yeah. I mean, of course you can. Because I've I've been told no. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, oh, no, you you got to only apply within three months of your expiration. I mean, you can always do it. it yeah. Depending on whether or not the licensing agent wants to let you is kind of, I mean, it's, again, it's a subjective thing up to there. Interesting. Um, I mean, I don't think there's anything. I've never seen anything in the law that says you Yeah, can't. I don't think it's a law, but, yeah. yeah. But, you know, okay. they play fast and loose with a lot of stuff revolving True. around firearms in the state. So, you know, do what you, do what you can. But, I mean, our advice to people is just kind of, Swallow it for a minute. We're working on it. We're yeah. we're we're working with you know we're working with Com Two A, um, FPC, the NRA. Uh, we have a freaking team of lawyers that we've been nice. going back and forth with for the last three weeks on this thing. Um, I promise we're we're working on it. Like um, the biggest thing we've done so far is we filed a bill um, last week. Uh, Representative Jeff Turco out of Winthrop who's a Democrat, filed it for us. Great. It's a House docket number 5245, um, and we titled it An Act Relative to Restoring Civil Rights. And uh, it is a top-to-bottom overhaul of uh, the state's licensing scheme that brings us in line with the Bruin decision. Nice. Um, it, it takes away the... Uh, it removes the chief's discretion, and it kind of just sets in place a simple objective prohibited person status um, as a as the only test to get a license in Massachusetts. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny, I joke, but I'm actually not joking when I say this, that if you want to have a license to carry or mm-hmm. a license for an, a firearm, it should be as simple as walking in with my application and say, hey, I'm here to apply for my license, and they look it over and go, okay. They run a Corey check on you right there. It takes two minutes. 
And if it comes back clean, they go stand over here, get your picture taken, yeah. and they print out your card, laminate it, do whatever they want to do. And then they say, okay, here you go. That's the no game. fee. Yeah. Hand it to you, good for yeah. life. And that's that's how it should be. Absolutely. And that's like anything other than that, I feel is a total violation of the Constitution and the Bruin decision. So do we. Yeah. So, <laughs> and at that point, you're like, what are you doing? What's the mm. point? I guess there's one advantage to that, mm. and that would be on, like, the private transfer thing. It shuts the noise of the gun show loophole down right. a little bit, and it, it gives the person selling to someone who's unknown mm-hmm. uh, a little bit of comfort Cover. that they have that in the past. They're not just some gangbanger right. off the street. Right. So for that reason, I guess that would be the only advantage to it, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, it, it makes it so that, you know, they talk about how, you know, everyone who, fi- who buys a firearm should have a background check. It's like, well, anyone who's got a, a firearms license has had a background check. Many. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think the state does one, the local guys do uh-huh. one, and, you know. Yeah. They background check you every which way to Every Sunday. which way. Yeah. Yeah, the only thing we didn't tackle that you just mentioned in this bill was the, uh, the fee. Mm-hmm. And the only reason we did it, we just kind of, we, we, we talked about it. But uh, there's some precedent that we found where, um, you know, especially relating to, like, uh, First Amendment free speech and uh, free association protest stuff, mm-hmm. uh, they can, there's precedent where they can charge a fee for uh, permits and things like that, where it's an administrative fee. We have to pay for, you know, the, the actual printing out of the license and the people's time. So we were like, all right, let's just leave it for now, and we'll, we'll tackle that stuff later on. Yeah, so. definitely. I agree with that that approach, yeah. by the way. But I do believe, you know, Murdoch versus Pennsylvania, 1943, mm-hmm. expressly says that a state may not impose a charge for the enjoyment of a right granted Ab- by the federal constitution. Absolutely. So... You got, you know, they don't Pole charge taxes. A, yeah, they don't charge a fee for, you know, me wanting to have a speaking engagement right. or a fee for me to make sure that the police don't raid my house in the middle of the night. They don't mm-hmm. charge a fee for me being able to, you know, uh, have equal protection under the law. Yeah. They're like, they don't come to you and go, hey, the, uh, the 14th Amendment tax is due on the first of every year. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, no, it's yeah. it's you're enjoying the rights uh, that are enumerated in the Constitution. Yeah. And basically, selling a license is... a viol- An outright violation of that? Right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. For, for every troop that we have to house in Massachusetts that, isn't living, that doesn't live at someone's house, we have to charge a fee. No? Right, right. <laughs> but anyway, so, um, you know, I digress. I think that should be a, a fight for a later day. Let's at least get yeah. the get the. Sp- I mean, they're also required to respond within 40 days. When's the last time they've done that? Yeah, so that's that's actually another one that we, another issue that we tackled in here. We said uh, if after the 40 days a license has not been issued, um, it will automatically issue. That's perfect. That's the way it should be. Request. So, yeah. Yeah. And we um, we also wanted to streamline the process. So we, uh, we put a provision in there where the state would have to set up a permitting application process through the state portal 
online, so you don't have to do it in person, yeah, which uh, which would eliminate a lot of the the COVID excuses, right? And all that stuff that was going on during the lockdowns, where you know you needed to make an appointment, or they just weren't allowing people into the police station that day because they were afraid of a COVID outbreak. It, yeah. it eliminate it puts all that to bed. Every time I go to the police department to renew my license, mm-hmm. and I have to renew four licenses. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, is that right? No, five. five. Excuse me. Five licenses <laughs> uh, with the state. So whenever I go there, I feel like I have to walk past the aisle that's selling the horse whips and the carrier pigeons <laughs> in order to go do this. Same thing with the yeah. registry. I'm like, we're in the age of the Internet uh-huh. Figure it out. Yeah. Like, this is stupid. It is just completely it ridiculous. Is. You have, how many times I got to be fingerprinted? How many times I got to be photographed? How many times you need me to come in and pay the fee in person and, like, just use my driver's license photo mm-hmm. and, you know, set up a credit card charge on the website and use last time's fingerprints that yeah. are now electronic. That are stored. still the same. Yeah. My, <laughs> I still have all 10 digits. So anyway, but, well, that's exciting to see. Yeah. And it's even more exciting to me to see um, a Democrat filed the, the bill for you. He's so, great. So yeah. He's awesome. We were in, he was in the office and I was like, oh, my God. This guy's saying, like, everything I'm thinking. How, how is this possible? Yeah. And we were talking a little bit about it off the air, but... Mm-hmm. Um, I was on a podcast last week, and uh, one of the moderators of the podcast was saying, you know, I long for the day when Democrats and Republicans both support all of my rights, and now I can vote on their policy issues, the stuff that doesn't infringe on my freedom. Like, if, you know, he might be a little bit more left-leaning or liberal as far as his, uh, you know, belief system, yeah. but he doesn't vote that way because he doesn't want his rights eroded. Yeah. And I think that we, I long for that day too. give people a, a real choice in what yeah. they want as far as policy shaping. You mean where firearms and, are not a political issue? Yeah. Like it shouldn't be. It's an yeah. enumerated right. But until someone like Michael Moore gets his way and gets the 28th amendment to repeal and replace, <sighs> you know, that's, I think, what we're looking at. You know, oh. it's unfortunate. But the, the way he wrote that makes me think that he's never read the Bill of Rights. Right. <laughs> yeah. And um, I would agree. He doesn't know what the word inalienable <laughs> right inalienable. means. Um, so getting back to Massachusetts here, we got this bill, which mm-hmm. obviously needs support. And uh, there's a couple weeks left of the legislative yeah, session. Yeah, a couple so. weeks left of the legislative session, yeah. So even if it gets introduced but not voted on, maybe it'll go into the next legislative uh, session, correct? Oh, we're absolutely yeah. going to file this next session. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right, good. And, um, you know, this is a good opportunity for people to um, call their representatives yep. and senators to, to push for this. And uh, I believe that the good people of Massachusetts mm-hmm. are largely – Second Amendment supporters, even though we're freedom loving. Yeah, we're a hard blue state, no doubt about it. Yeah. But the last time we had a anti-gun governor uh, gubernatorial election with Luther Scott Harshbarger, mm-hmm. he got trounced and mm-hmm. people were like, no, you know, we still believe in the right to keep and bear arms. So, um, yeah. But anyway, how can people support the work Goal is doing, Mike? Uh, so check out uh, Goal.org um, if you'd like to become a member and support us it's only 30 bucks for the year 
an individual short membership. Money. Yeah, it's not too bad. It's pretty short money, and we uh, we wear the boots on the ground. We are out there every single day doing what we can. Uh, Jim Wallace is one of the best guys I know. Yeah, he is uh, out there every single day. He's got amazing relationships in the building. Everybody loves him, so he gets to talk to everybody. Everybody wants to talk to him, and then you know, you know, John Brady. Yeah, he yeah. is. A guy is an encyclopedia right. of uh, firearms legal knowledge. He's he's unbelievable. We got to get him down here one of these yeah. days. But yeah. So all right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Mike. We're gonna have to do this again and for sure. And uh, well, you know, it's real important that people support this bill, the House Docket fifty two forty five. And uh, we'll see you soon. Remember to use this week's code TRIGGER at capegunworks.com to get a special discount on your web orders. That's code TRIGGER. So go to capegunworks.com right now and get your special discount using the word TRIGGER. We'll be right back. This is Rapid Fire. This is the Voltec VT-10i. It's your travel buddy, so it goes where you go. To your work, on the road, or at the range. It's the smart and rugged safe built to protect, no matter what you trust it with. We've made sure every inch of your safe is built to the highest possible standards. Security is at the forefront of our thoughts, so no unwanted guest. The VT-10i provides multiple quick and simple access points, including high-resolution biometrics, backlit numeric keys, key entry, and even your smartphone for remote access. The two-point anti-impact latches keep your safe strong, and Voltec lithium-ion battery charges in just 2.5 hours and lasts up to six months, so it won't let you down. There's a reason we're the number one rated biometric safe. Get yours at VoltecSafe.com and find us online at Facebook.com slash VoltecSafe. If you're looking for legal protection, text CGWMA to 281-603-0066. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 for a special offer from U.S. Law Shield on self-defense insurance. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 to get a special offer from U.S. Law Shield today. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. And I'm really happy to have in the studio with us today uh, Jay McMahon, who is a lawyer here in Massachusetts, who just so happens to be running a great campaign for the next attorney general. Jay, how are you today? Good to be here with you. Uh, I listen to the program a lot, and uh, I'm excited to be on it. Great. Well, Obviously, we're a show about guns, right? We talk all things guns, and as they relate to the Second Amendment, we talk about um, the law around them. Some of the most asked questions, the most frequently asked questions on this show are legalities around it. And 
as you know, we live in a state where the at- current attorney general and the current governor are thrilled at the level of gun control that we have in this state. And they herald it to the rest of the country as a good thing. And they claim, rightfully so, that Massachusetts, as compared to the rest of the country, has a fairly low violent murder rate or violent crime rate with firearms. However, what they fail, the part they leave out, is as compared to the rest of New England, we are the highest murder rate and high violent crime rate, even though we're the most gun controlled. And our neighbors to the north, Maine, New Hampshire, and Vermont, which are constitutional carry states, are a lot less violent as it relates to gun violence than we are. And you could slice that every which way to Sunday, but don't you think it's disingenuous to a certain extent to only cherry pick the the statistics that you feel help your argument? Oh well, well that is that's exactly what uh, Maura Healy does. I mean, she she looks at uh, uh, New York City, she looks at L.A., and she looks at um, uh, Chicago. Uh, where they have deaths every weekend from gun violence. And then she says, well, we're so much better because uh, we're choking the daylights out of the citizens by not allowing them to exercise their Second Amendment right. Uh, They have a problem with the Second Amendment, especially Maura Healey. She has no compulsions from putting certain restrictions on it. For instance, she doesn't like what uh, we'd call scary guns. She issued a enforcement notice back in June of 2016. You've talked about it plenty of times on your show. But basically, she took authority that she doesn't have, and she put a restriction on the certain, uh, certain guns at saying that people with federal licenses in Massachusetts... Uh, firearms dealers cannot sell these particular guns. And to be honest, the only the thing about the list of these guns, the only common characteristic is that they might be scary guns. Uh, and I've always said, if you've got a scary gun and you confront an intruder in your into your home, they see a scary gun. They may realize without you firing a shot that they're in the wrong home. Mm. But um, as for that enforcement notice, there was no constitutional authority for her to issue it. She just went ahead and issued it. And um, when I become the next attorney general, I'm going to end that on day one so that the citizens of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts will enjoy their Second Amendment rights like any citizen in any other state. Yeah, amen to that. I mean, the the fact that she took almost 20 years of history too like the state the country existed with that same language as law from 94 to 2004 and it sunsetted because it didn't show any reduction in violent crime even though a lot of politicians pound the podium these days and say how it reduced violent crime it did not but not one single attorney general of any state interpreted the assault weapons ban the way that she did in that enforcement notice. And not to mention, no attorney general in Massachusetts before her interpreted it from 98 until 2016 when she sent that enforcement letter out 
the way that she saw it. And so she basically, as far as I'm concerned, became all three branches of government that day. And everybody applaud, stood behind her and applauded her and said, good job trying to keep us safe. She became, you know, the legislature. She became uh, the she is the executive branch, but she acted as if she was signing a bill into law. And then she became the judiciary by interpreting a law to an extent that I've, I think is impossible to jump to that conclusion. Well, it, it, when she did this, uh, it was actually her solution to a non-existent problem. Mm. In other words, you got to look long and hard in Massachusetts to find anyone who possesses an LTC or an FID, you got to look long and hard to find anyone who committed a crime. Most of the time, the ones, the people that get arrested, uh, it's it's always some collateral issue with it, like uh, improper storage or um, uh, an improper self-defense. But it's never gun violence in the sense that Somebody's holding up a store, someone's shooting their neighbor, someone's shooting a spouse. Um, uh, there may be a couple of suicides that some, some people do, but generally you don't have gun violence by uh, holders of LTC or FIDs. It's, it, it's just non-existent in Massachusetts. Yeah, it would be a very short-lived career choice to say, I'm going to go through the trouble of getting my license to carry so that I can get a gun and hold up banks. Like that wouldn't be a long career choice as far as I'm concerned. I don't think that most people are going through and jumping through all the hoops. So that brings us to the logical conclusion of this type of gun control only affects the law-abiding responsible people. It doesn't keep our streets safer because the criminal element doesn't abide by it, right? Oh, that, that that's absolutely right. In other words, every time the, the, the leftist elitists such as Mara Healy Every time they want to uh, make themselves relevant, they will go and do another law or another regulation to further burden law-abiding uh, law citizens, but they do nothing to stop the real problem. And that is the flow of guns that are coming through, through evil people into Massachusetts from out of state. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, I just read an article uh, today in the Boston Herald, and they stated that 75% of the guns that they're finding on these, uh, these evil people who are shooting people in our state, that the guns come from out of state. So to further burden law-abiding citizens by more regulations does not stop that problem. What would stop that problem if they would just be a little more diligent is law enforcement squeezing these defendants that are using these illegal guns to find out where they're coming from and then follow that trail and work with our federal partners like the uh, BATF, uh, Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearm, uh, and uh, in, in other federal agencies and, and start working with them. You see, Mara Healy didn't do that. She didn't work with federal agencies because she wanted Massachusetts to be a sanctuary state. 
Well, that's just plain crazy. Uh, that means that the money that Massachusetts citizens are paying, the taxpayer citizens that are paying for these federal agencies, and we're not cooperating with them, that is just plain nonsense. What we need to do is coordinate, and I, I just read in the, uh, again, in the same article in the Boston Herald today, that there's a new cooperative between state agencies and federal agencies. It's a little late in coming when we know that 75% of the guns that are causing crimes in Massachusetts are coming from out of state. We should have had that a long time ago. Like anything else, follow the money trail, follow the gun trail. We have the technology to do that. Go after these evil people who are killing our citizens and leave the law-abiding citizens alone. Right. Uh, it's been through, uh, you know, quoted in a lot of research projects. A lot of people, myself included, have kind of regurgitated this number. But uh, I think it stood the test of time and bears re- repeating. And it's that 95% of all violent crime is committed by a repeat offender. So it's somebody who's already in the system, somebody who's already a prohibited person, who, somebody who's already a, if not a career criminal, they're well on their way. I want to know, like, everything you just said, I agree with, that the burden, putting burden on responsible gun owners is not going to solve crime. But I do know something that would, and that is locking up violent of- offenders and putting them away for a very long time. I don't care if you got to clear out some of the prisons by letting the nonviolent, you know, uh, white-collar criminals out on the street with a bracelet or a whatever, probation, but leave the people who are getting arrested in commissions of crimes with guns and, you know, in violent acts in prison for the mandatory maximum of their sentence and not let them out on good behavior, not let them out early parole, don't let them out for whatever the heck, you know, reason you want to let them out for. But lock up those violent people and you'll see an immediate reduction in crime. Yeah, and the way you'll see the uh, reduction in crime is that they are taken out of society where they can't commit more crimes and that way society becomes safe. That's why... When I'm running for uh, Massachusetts Attorney General, I am the public safety candidate. Now, what I mean by that is I am going to be looking at this. You are absolutely right with that figure. The 95% of all violent crimes are committed by people who are already proven to be violent and were let out either on parole or some other way. Their sentences were cut short, and then they're out. And now they're committing crimes again. Those people are excellent candidates to really get slammed with a huge sentence. Those are the ones we want to keep off the streets. Now, we have bleeding hearts, these these liberal elitists. And for whatever reason, they think we need to coddle criminals. We don't. We need to remove criminals from our society. And the best way to do that is put them in jail for a long time. How do you deal with the drug problem? Well, same way. You make it so brutally difficult for them to ply their trade here in Massachusetts by doing it, by going after them, by going after their network 
and by going after everybody connected in that network and by putting them all in jail, when you do that, you remove that element out of the society. And that's what we need to do. We need someone that's got the fortitude to do this, to go after the network, to go after the people who continually um, commit these crimes and to use the fact that they were in jail once before, and when it comes to sentencing him for the next offense, to inform the sentencing judge. A light sentence doesn't help in this case, judge. He was already let out early, and here we are again on another crime. Well, you, you got my vote on that alone, that issue alone. And uh, tell people how they can find you and support your campaign, Jay. Well, you can go to my website, attorney. Jay McMahon, that's, uh, you spell out attorney, A-T-T-O-R-N-E-Y, J-A-Y-M-C-M-A-H-O-N, or you can uh, get me on Facebook, it's at Attorney Jay McMahon, you can get me at Twitter, it's at Attorney McMahon, and um, you reach out to us, you can send me an email at info at attorneyjmcmahon.com, we answer Every email, we monitor it constantly. If you send me an email, it doesn't go into cyberspace. We answer it and we get back to you. And folks, um, this is a serious campaign. And so I'm asking you to consider me seriously as your next Massachusetts Attorney General. Amen to that. Thank you so much, Jay, for joining us. We're going to a break and you should go to the rapidfireradio.us website and check out all the new gear. Grab yourself a shirt or a hat and grab a flag and then show up at the neighborhood picnic wearing your rapid fire radio gear and click on get rapid fire gear. We'll be back after this. I'm Toby Lee. Made in America since 1949. Family owned and operated legendary performance this is hornady if you're looking for legal protection text cgwma to 281-603-0066 text cgwma to 281-603-0066 for a special offer from u.s law shield on self-defense insurance Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 to get a special offer from U.S. Law Shield today. SnapSafe, featuring a pry-resistant 316-inch solid steel door, 2300-degree Fahrenheit one-hour fire shield protection, and a lifetime warranty. SnapSafe, a modular safe with welded safe security. Welcome back. This is Rapid Fire, a 2A talk radio show where you can call into the show and text your questions anytime to 508-444-2120. Please include your first name, location, and your question to 508-444-2120. If we don't answer your question during this show, we'll try to get you in on the next one. Uh, So call again. Once again, the number to call or text is 508-444-2120, the Rapid Fire line. I want to thank Jay McMahon for coming in, as well as Mike Harris from Gun Owners Action League. And if everything Jay McMahon said didn't, like, 
want to get you 100% behind them when considering the alternative in the attorney general's office is then, you know, I don't think you're truly a gun guy <laughs> to paraphrase some of the statements uh, the commander in chief has made in the past, but a little bit different uh, expression of it. So anyway, um, I think he raised a lot of good points and sorry, uh, Hustle wanted me to ask him what his viewpoint is on self-defense and his, I didn't get to talk with him live on the air about that. We ran out of time, but off air, I was able to ask him uh, that and he is a, you know, a lawyer, right? He's a criminal defense attorney, but he definitely and 100% believes in due process. I talked to him a lot about a lot of these crimes that crimes, quote unquote, where they're like someone's having a medical emergency and they're coming in, uh, the EMS comes in and often a, a police officer will come in tow and, and, you know, snoop around a little bit while they're hooking you up to the oxygen tank or the uh, IV and putting you on the gurney and then notice a gun lying in the corner or something um, and charge you with unlawful storage of a firearm. We talked a lot about that. He is adamantly opposed to that type of prosecution. And um, he's also very much in favor of, uh, you know, people who have to use a gun in defense of themselves or others. So he is, uh, he is on the ballot, JF. So he will be, um, he will be, the Republican candidate for attorney general. And I guess there's three other candidates on the other side. I think once, no, they didn't. That was the uh, governor race was someone stepped out. Um, but there's three candidates for attorney general and there's a few that are really scary. And um, so we want to make sure that we put somebody who is firmly second amendment, pro second amendment, pro freedom, pro constitution, pro rights in as attorney general. When you think about how, um, scary it can be when you have someone who's not any of those things and the infringements that come along with it. But he said on day one, he will do away with that um, bogus assault weapons ban interpretation uh, that Maura Healy has put into law, quote unquote. So that's, that's good news. So anyway, um, thanks a lot for coming on Jay and we'll definitely have you on again in the future. So, uh, Montana, basically, uh, he says, it seems like the law isn't written for you to defend yourself in public without being cornered or et cetera. That's 100% true. We definitely have a duty to retreat outside the home in Massachusetts. We are not a stand-your-ground state. But the bottom line is, if you need to defend yourself, you shouldn't be worried about um, the legal ramifications of that. Is it a issue? Absolutely. But... The that should be secondary to the decision that you need to make to keep yourself alive or your loved one alive or from being maimed in the process, right? Like that, that should be very much secondary to staying alive. And that's why I recommend uh, people get coverage from like U.S. Law Shield um, so that they will come to your financial aid and legal aid if you do find yourself in that situation where you, you have to defend yourself with any weapon. It doesn't even have to be a firearm. It could be any weapon of uh, availability. Um, so 
if you end up using your car to defend yourself or a bat or your fist or your foot or whatever, just trying to stay alive, they will come to your financial and legal aid. So uh, we'll get to more of your questions in one sec. I know we're running out of time quickly. I just wanted to mention quickly that the Firearms Policy Coalition has filed a lawsuit in New York against the uh, New York gun control laws and their assault weapons ban. And uh, they said there is no constitutionally relevant difference between a semi-automatic handgun, shotgun, and rifle. The brief explains, while some exterior physical attributes may differ, wood versus metal and stocks and furniture, the number and location of grips, having a bare muzzle versus having a muzzle device, different barrel lengths, etc., they are all in relevant respects the same. Uh, So I couldn't agree more, um, and I'd like to see how that tracks through because that could have some... Uh, good legal precedent for other states to follow suit on. And uh, we already mentioned that uh, Biden got his nominee, Stephen Dettelbeck, uh, the renamed David Chipman. He's basically David Chipman without the smoldering Waco uh, flames in the background. Uh, So that's some more current news. Also, something interesting happened uh, that citing the SCOTUS decision, the second court of appeals vacates a lower court's ruling uh, from district court upholding New York City uh, premises permitting scheme. So they have this special permit, uh, a premises permit where you could get a license for the house. And uh, the second court of appeals has vacated a case of its own, sending it back to U.S. District Court uh, in New York for a new hearing based on the Supreme Court's guidance case known as Taveras versus New York City takes issue with the city's own subjective licensing standards in which this case prevented Alan Taveras from obtaining a license, uh, premises license, allowing him to keep a rifle or shotgun in his home for self-defense. So that's good. They're already following suit and doing exactly what the Supreme Court did, which is vacating a lower court ruling and telling him to use the new scrutiny, strict scrutiny um, of the Bruin case as your litmus test or your your uh, your decision making test. So, also some big news uh, that New York has someone has leaked an email from New York City or New York uh, that wants to delay licensing for seven months while new restrictive guidance is developed. Uh, Jared from Guns and Gadgets broke this story today, and it says. Um, Here, this is the leaked email. If anyone calls regarding their pistol license, please, as usual, refer them to the pistol license office at the sheriff's department. And as an aside, and by way of providing you with background information, the undersheriff advises me as follows. All permits issued after 9-1 must follow the new rules. So anything pending or on that date will have to be, need to be updated or resubmitted. SP and DCJS have until... 4-1-2023 to come up with the new course that everyone needs. So after 9-1, we can't issue any permits until after DCJS approves the course requirements, notifies the instructors, gets the proposed courses back from the instructors, approves them, and then the courses can be taught. Only then can you issue permits again. How amazing that they are taking a... uh, I guess what they're really going on is um, what uh, Justice Kavanaugh said. Um, He says here uh, in his support of the um, majority opinion of Bruin, he said that 
In the court's opinion, I write separately to underscore two important points about the limits on the court's decision. First, the court's decision does not prohibit states from imposing licensing requirements for carrying a handgun for self-defense. I don't think he did us any favors with that language because you got courts like um, New York City, which are going to, or states like New York City, Massachusetts, California, that are immediately going to heap on these licensing requirements. Um, and that, you know, uh, I think that that was a major disservice. I think if he had just stayed consistent with Clarence Thomas's opinion and said, hey, the Second Amendment is just like the First Amendment and any other amendment, you can't put any undue restrictions on your exercise of your God-given right. That would have been enough right then and there. But no, they said something very stupid and said that, you know, the court's decision does not prohibit states from imposing licensing requirements. I think it does 100%, especially if you look at uh, Murdoch v. Pennsylvania. Now, again, I'm no Supreme Court justice, but uh, U.S. it's 319 U.S. 105, 1943 decision in the syllabus. It says a state may not impose a charge for the enjoyment of a right granted by the federal constitution, page 319 of U.S. 113. I don't know how it can be any more clear. The state has zero right to impose or charge a fee for the right granted. And that's exactly what licensing requirements does. So I would love to see it uh, sued. Um, Unfortunately, that one sentence that he wrote is going to cause decades of lawsuits and litigation. But hopefully if they have to be held to the same criteria of Bruin, which is the strict uh, scrutiny of uh, history, text, and tradition. I don't see how you can say we have a rich history and a tradition of imposing uh, background checks, licensing requirements, um, fees, fingerprinting, photographing, and uh, you know selling licenses. So you know that's not supported by text, tradition, or history in the you know Supreme Court or in the in the founding documents or in the constitution or the bill of rights. So anyway, we'll see how that all plays out. Um, Unfortunately, it just clogs up the court systems when it should just be pretty obvious to everybody out there that the right to keep and bear arms shouldn't be encumbered by anything else like no other rights are. And it's the one right that says shall not be infringed. But anyway, we all, I think I'm preaching to the choir on that. Uh, Let's see, uh, I'll get to some of your uh, questions here. Um, no, we're out. We're out of time. Okay, so I won't. Um, but stay tuned for the second hour um, of the show because by far uh, we're going to get to a lot of your questions there and uh, talk some more things um, that are breaking um, news and litigation and you know, all kinds of court decisions and whatnot. But we'll take your questions. If you want to call 508-444-2120 any time of the day or night, uh, just remember, you know, the show goes on for another hour. I want to thank you for tuning in. Uh, it ends here, but uh, we got another hour of content. If your local radio station isn't broadcasting the second hour, then jump over to the website, capegunworks.com or rapidfireradio.us. You can also follow us on all our social media, and there'll be links, etc., on where to find us. Um, so we'd love to have you be a part of the show. 
freedom is always going to be on the right side of history, folks. Um, No matter what tyrants do, tyrants do what tyrants do. But freedom will reign supreme in the heart of man. And that's why we see a worldwide pushback against tyrannical government. Stay tuned. We'll see you next time, or we'll see you on the other side in the second hour. Love you guys, and God bless. We'll see you soon. May your tag of a lifetime finally come through. May the snow pile up and the elk come down. May your socks always stay dry. May the herd bull finally break from the herd. And may your aim always stay true. Welcome to the next level. Welcome to the Vortex. Alexander Hamilton said, Those who stand for nothing will fall for anything. This is Toby from Cape Gunworks. When our founding fathers drafted the Second Amendment, there was no question of its meaning. Today, if you have questions, come to Cape Gunworks for some advice, training, or to send a few rounds downrange. We have a fully stocked pro shop with a huge selection of guns, crossbows, archery, classes, rentals, a 15-lane range, and a friendly staff. Come on down to Cape Gunworks Airport Road Hyannis or capegunworks.com. This is the Voltec VT-10i. It's your travel buddy, so it goes where you go. To your work, on the road, or at the range. It's the smart and rugged safe built to protect, no matter what you trust it with. We've made sure every inch of your safe is built to the highest possible standards. Security is at the forefront of our thoughts, so no unwanted guest. The VT-10i provides multiple quick and simple access points, including high-resolution biometrics, backlit numeric keys, keyed entry, and even your smartphone for remote access. The two-point anti-impact latches keep your safe strong, and Voltec lithium-ion battery charges in just 2.5 hours and lasts up to six months, so it won't let you down. There's a reason we're the number one rated biometric safe. Get yours at VoltecSafe.com and find us online at Facebook.com slash VoltecSafe. If you're looking for legal protection, text CGWMA to 281-603-0066. 
Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 for a special offer from U.S. Law Shield on self-defense insurance. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 to get a special offer from U.S. Law Shield today. Welcome, everyone, to Rapid Fire, the second hour, and it's a two-way talk radio show sponsored by Vortex Optics. You can tune in each week at rapidfireradio.us or kategunworks.com to join the conversation, and you can also call or text the Rapid Fire line, 508-444-2120. That's 508-444-2120. Remember to like us on all the social media platforms. Our handle is at kategunworks. On Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Parlor, Twitch, Telegram, Rumble, Truth Social. Um, and we are at CGW underscore backup on Instagram. Trying to stay alive there on Instagram, even though we're getting Zuckerberg left and right. Uh, but we're glad you're here. The second hour, we're going to talk a little less formatted and guests and more get your questions and see where the show is going to go just kind of talk guns it's a little bit refreshing we're fired up in political season as you can tell with some of the guests we've had but um also uh you know gun news is daily news at this point and uh it's a bizarre environment where we live now and we read the news and the headlines and after such a clear-cut decision on the new york state uh, versus uh, Pistol and Rifle Association versus Bruin, where it should clear a lot of things up. And the fact that the Second Amendment is an unalienable right that shall not be infringed. And now we've had major landmark decisions from Supreme Court over the past 12 years um, and very recently. Also, the Supreme Court vacating four lower court rulings and saying, go back to the drawing board and use strict scrutiny to rule on these and it should clear everything up. But instead we see the, the tyrant machine fired up and uh, creating new laws and signing into uh, law, more unconstitutional laws that are going to just, you know, eventually be vacated after tying up the court systems and millions and millions of dollars being spent in legal challenges and, and the time uh, from actually doing things that really uh, matter in the court systems. Uh, rather than trying to restore your rights. So it should be that from this point on, <laughs> any new law created that's in direct violation of the Constitution or that uh, strict scrutiny in text, history, and tradition should just be null and void. And certainly every uh, law enforcement agency that has signed up and raised their right hand and sworn to uphold the Constitution should look at any new legislation that comes down the pipeline and say, yep, that's unconstitutional. I will not be enforcing that. And it should just, you know, because that's what's happening is these government officials are trying to nullify, make the Supreme Court rulings null and void, when really the law enforcement or the executive branch should be looking at the legislative branch going, no, that's null and void because I can't enforce an unconstitutional order. 
So what's good for the goose is good for the gander, right? If government officials want to violate your constitutional rights by continually pushing out these anti-rights uh, agendas or these violations of your civil rights, anyone who's tasked with the enforcement of these rights has a duty and an obligation under their oath of office to not follow suit and break and violate their oath of office as the legislative and executive branch who signed them into law have done. We shouldn't have to wait for the court systems. The the people in power or the people in tasked with enforcing these unconstitutional laws should just say, nope, not happening. And uh, they should band together and say that and, and do it. But instead, they all band together and support and have press conferences and stand behind them and do their golf claps and say how uh, they're, you know, they're trying to make our communities safer by strict gun control laws, which only violate your freedoms and your Second Amendment and your rights and your uh, God-given rights. So tell us what you think. Am I wrong or am I right? Call or text 508-444-2120. That's 508-444-2120. From the text line, hey, Toby, thanks for the show. I wish I had the faith in mass citizens supporting the Second Amendment But I don't. Every year this passes, we lose people from a generation of patriots with love of country and replace them with new group of voters who have been ideological brainwashed to believe that our country is irredeemable and should be dismantled in favor of a socialistic authoritarian rule. I I hope I'm wrong, but it looks like these blue states enacting immediate restrictions without regard to the Bruin ruling. It's basically openly defying that ruling. Keep up the good fight, Howie from Sandwich. Well, thank you, Howie. Um, I do understand your sentiment, um, and I do know that a lot of peaceful, uh, freedom-loving Massachusetts residents have been fleeing this state at a, at a f- scary rate. And that what does that leave? It leaves the people who don't believe in your constitutional rights to to vote along the the way that they've been they had their heads uh beat in by the evening news and their professors and their teachers in academia. So I do agree with the sentiment of what you're saying. But I do also believe that at the core of most of the Massachusetts uh citizenry, they believe in the right to keep and bear arms. They might not believe the same that that doesn't look the same across all you know spe- slices of the demographics of Massachusetts. Like I'm not going to say that all of them are in favor of high capacity magazines and assault weapons, quote unquote. And um, you know, but the very belief system of the or the rudimentary belief in the Second Amendment is there. Um, so there is that, and um, I I hope that. That wins the day. I hope that enough people will still believe in their constitutional right to keep and bear arms, uh, you know, based on the fact that, you know, they believe in the Constitution. Uh, This election, I believe, will be very telling as to whether or not uh, that's true or not. But I I, uh, honestly, everyone I've seen in the past couple of years, and I know that I'm a stocked pond here. I'm fishing from a stocked pond. Everyone who comes in is kind of already okay with the idea of um, 
guns or else they wouldn't have walked in my shop. But I think through education and being a good advocate for responsible gun ownership in America or in Massachusetts, we can turn the tide. We can win some hearts and minds. Um, And I do believe that uh, that is through advocacy and not being afraid to have the discussion. Um, I have it everywhere I go, but, um, and I've definitely changed some hearts and minds uh, because you know what? You don't have to shy away from this debate because history is on your side. Um, The freedom is on your side. Uh, Being uh, the foundation of our country is on your side. And if you can point people out that, what has changed in the last 40 years? Really, there's a lot of common denominators that we have today as opposed to, you know, that we had 40, 50 years ago. And I pointed this out yesterday on my show um, after the Grace Curley show um, that 50 years ago, you could order guns through the mail. You could have them delivered to your house. You could get them right through the Sears Roebuck catalog. Um, you could go down to the local hardware store and there was a bin full of uh, USGI surplus rifles. You know, you might have had some M1 Garands. You might have had some mini carbine, you know, M1 carbines. You might have had some old Warhorse M, uh, you know, seven the uh, the M17s or the Springfield uh, O3s. You could have had the the thirty forty Craig's. And at that point, it wasn't up to a background check. It was haggle on price like how much is this going to cost me that's five bucks i'll give you four okay i'll take four you'd pay the guy four bucks and you'd walk out with your brand new 30 well your your old war horse 30 odd six and that's the way it was you know there were no background checks so availability of firearms even weapons of war dare i say were at the five and dime or at the woolworths or at the local hardware store and the availability of firearms was way easier than it is nowadays so We'll talk a little bit about that on the other side. If you're, think, hearing, if you're hearing this and you're thinking about getting your gun license, unfortunately, in Massachusetts, you still have to come down and take a class. Uh, but we have regularly scheduled LTC classes, including ladies only and couples classes. So sign up at capegunworks.com. We'll be right back. This is Rapid Fire. offers the very best optics specifically made for shooters with rugged construction designed for extreme environments. Vortex Optics build quality ensures accurate, reliable, and repeatable performance every time you squeeze the trigger. Add fully multi-coated lenses and nitrogen purging and you have a quality optic with an extremely reasonable price tag. That is the Vortex difference. Come into Cape Gunworks to see the full line of Vortex Optics today. Federal ammunition is 100. This is where the American ingenuity met a trailblazing spirit. Hard work united with patriotism and technology blended with new ideas. That's federal ammunition. Right here in Anoka, Minnesota, born in 1922, made in America, and proud to be the best. Federal ammunition, a century of innovation, and we're only getting started. Welcome back to 
Rapid Fire, your weekly talk radio show about guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. So, before the break, we were talking about, you know, um, those that would take our guns away, and we're going to be getting to your questions in just a minute, but I just want to read a couple quotes. This is, this is awesome. If you don't think that the original intent of the founders was to have... Uh, citizens armed then you got to hear a couple of these quotes this is this is phenomenal so um let's start from the top here this is the buckeye freedoms administration uh so it's called buckeyefreedoms.org and it's gun quotations of the founding fathers so check this out um if you think there's any ambiguity in the Second Amendment, you won't after this, uh, about who can legally own firearms. George Washington, a free people ought not only to be armed, but disciplined. And I think what he's referring to there in the disciplined isn't that you're like put in stocks and tarred and feathered. It's that you're disciplined in the use of such arms. Uh, So he said that. It was his first annual address to both the House of Congress on January 8th, 1790. Then Thomas Jefferson, no free man shall ever be debarred the use of arms. I mean, if that isn't, you know, uh, precedent to restore people's rights after they've paid their debt to society, I don't think anything else, you know, you could, there's no better example of that as far as I'm concerned. He also went on to say, I prefer dangerous freedom over peaceful slavery. And that's the point that most people miss in this generation is, if it would save just one life, why wouldn't you give up your guns? Well, for the same reason that you won't give up your automobile because it could save one life. Same reason you won't give up your swimming pool if it could possibly save one life. Because it doesn't make sense. Uh, So anyway, uh, Freedom is more dangerous than, you know, living in a padded room. Uh, But anyway, what country can preserve its liberties if their rulers are not warned from time to time that their people reserve the spirit of resistance? Let them take arms. Thomas Jefferson, letter to William Stephen Smith, son-in-law of John Adams. I love this one. The laws that forbid the carrying of arms are laws of such a nature. They disarm only those who are neither inclined nor determined to commit crimes. Such laws make things worse for the assaulted and better for the assailants. They serve rather to encourage than to prevent homicides, for an unarmed man may be attacked with greater confidence than an armed man. Hello, like Common Sense 101, Thomas Jefferson, Commonplace Book. Quoting 18th century criminologist Caesar Beccaria, 1774 through 1776. A strong body makes the mind strong. I love this one. As to the species of exercises, I advise the gun. While this gives moderate exercise to the body, it gives boldness, enterprise, and independence to the mind. Games played with the ball and others of that nature are too violent for the body and stamp no character on the mind. Let your gun, therefore, be your constant companion of your walks. Thomas Jefferson, letter to Peter Carr, August 19, 1785. Yet here we have a religion 
in this country around the sport ball community. We build temples in the in the version of 90-inch widescreens with high definition, and we pay homage to them on the Sabbath day, and we make a great spread of, uh, you know, wings and <laughs> barbecue and nacho dip while we worship at the altar. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with being entertained by sports. I'm a, I'm a sports fan myself. But let's put it in the perspective that Thomas Jefferson put it in. And he's like, these are, you know, violent games with a ball that punish the body but do zero for your mind. And I couldn't agree more. Uh, but yet the gun does little for your body. Let's put it this way. It's not very hard to pick up a gun and shoot it. It's not like physical exercise. But it does great uh, great for your mind. And uh, it challenges you. It disciplines you. It uh, makes you better uh, than you were. So anyway, give great sport to the sport of the gun is basically what he's saying. I could go on and on. Uh, the one that is always quoted about Benjamin Franklin, uh, the historical review of Pennsylvania, is they that give up, they that can give up essential liberty to obtain a t- little temporary safety, deter, deserve neither liberty nor safety. Um, to disarm the people is the most effectual way to enslave them. George Mason referencing advice given to the British Parliament by Pennsylvania Governor Sir William Keith. Uh, the debates of the Several States Convention on the Adoption of the Federal Constitution, July 14, 1788. I ask, who are the militia? They consist of now of the whole people except a few public officers. George Mason addresses the Virginia Ratifying Convention. So there you go. That, that ends the, the militia debate right there. Who are the militia? They consist now of the whole people, except a few public officers. <laughs> it's everybody except the elected official, right? Except those in government, except those who are uh, in power uh, or govern, um, as you will. It's everybody else. I love it. Um, I could go on and on. There's pages full of these founding father quotes, and I'll I'll post some of them. I'll actually post the link in the description if you want to use this on any of your uh, social media, uh, whatever, uh, you know, or Facebooking or whatever you do to get the word out and be an advocate in your community. So, um, so, uh, JF says, I'm sure as heck raising my kids to be another generation of Massachusetts Patriots. Well, that's great news. I am too, JF. And a lot of people always ask me like, why the heck would you ever do what you do in the most anti-gun state in the union? And uh, I'm like, well, uh, because A, that's where I was raised. That's where my family is. This is where my ties are. I got deep roots here. And frankly, as much as I hate the state I live in, I still love the state I live in. It is the weirdest paradox. Sometimes the most obnoxious uh, Massachusetts residents, and I'm using their that phrase as a little bit more PG-13 than I, I would like to use it. Um, are some of my the people that I love to be with and be around. You know, I've been in sport balling events where the most obnoxious drunk guy is like just being a jerk, right? But yet on this at the same time, 
I like the spirit of that guy, and I like the fact that he's a loudmouth, and I like the fact that he's a he's uh, not afraid to voice his opinion in a very public way, in a way that is probably uh, offensive to ninety five percent of the population out there. But it's 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 one of those things that you got to live here to understand the the paradox of that, and um, you know. It, it, I, I don't know why I, I love the people of my state the way I do, but I do. And, uh, you know, I die on a battlefield to defend every one of your rights and, uh, and think that, you know, everybody here is worth fighting for. So for that reason, we stay and fight. For that reason, we go on. And for that reason, we are an advocate and we want to see change and we want to see uh, tyranny lose. And I do believe that, you know, just like the original revolution uh, was started here, um, and I'm not advocating a violent revolution. I'm advocating a revolution and a war by other means. And you can do a lot, just like the Cold War w- was won at a war as a war of other means, right? Yes, there were casualties along the way, but largely it was a war um, that didn't involve people going to battle and fighting head-to-head. And I, for one, don't want to ever see another civil war. I don't ever want to see another uh, war of brother against brother. Uh, That is a horrible, uh, horrible price to pay. And I do believe through war of other means, yes, we're being assaulted, but it's a hundred front or a thousand front war that we are engaged in. Every time, you know, Instagram kicks us off the air for just talking about guns, which are enumerated right. Think about that. Um, we're that's we're on that one of the fronts of this war against the hearts and minds. Every time somebody is silenced on a U.S. university campus for not being able to voice their opinion that is uh, counter to the culture on those universities, that's another beachhead. It's another battlefield of um, ideas or another assault on our rights. Every time, you know... Uh, a tyrant gets up and says that gun stores are not an essential business, but liquor stores and abortion clinics are. And again, I'm not trying to paint this as some big political fight of a hundred front war as far as issues are concerned. I'm trying to narrow the focus to the Second Amendment. But when they say that gun stores aren't essential businesses, we are named in the Bill of Rights, as far as an enumerated right, except if you want to make the argument that you're not violating people's rights because they can do private transfers and using your gun show loophole that you love to tout as we need to get rid of uh, the gun show loophole and do universal background checks. And if you did that, then you would be vet very much violating people's rights as you shut down gun stores. Uh, But this is another beachhead. It's another battlefield. It's another uh, front that we have to oppose and take back our rights on. And Massachusetts is ground zero. So let's call it what it is. It's ground zero. And this revolution needs to be fought and needs to be won. And by cutting and running to the gun-friendly state, you accomplish zero. So we're going to stay and fight. And I hope you will, too. The pepper spray, the pepper spray, yeah, the, the pepper spray class is back. 
This class is for people that want to learn about alternatives to lethal defense. In the class, you actually dispense water-based practice units, and you will get to learn all facets of non-lethal defense. Go to capegunworks.com and click on classes to sign up. We'll be right back. This is Rapid Fire. Voltec VT-10i. It's your travel buddy, so it goes where you go. To your work, on the road, or at the range. It's the smart and rugged safe built to protect, no matter what you trust it with. We've made sure every inch of your safe is built to the highest possible standards. Security is at the forefront of our thoughts, so no unwanted guest. The VT-10i provides multiple quick and simple access points, including high-resolution biometrics, backlit numeric keys, keyed entry, and even your smartphone for remote access. The two-point anti-impact latches keep your safe strong, and Voltec lithium-ion battery charges in just 2.5 hours and lasts up to six months, so it won't let you down. There's a reason we're the number one rated biometric safe. Get yours at VoltecSafe.com and find us online at Facebook.com slash VoltecSafe. If you're looking for legal protection, text CGWMA to 281-603-0066. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 for a special offer from U.S. Law Shield on self-defense insurance. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 to get a special offer from U.S. Law Shield today. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show, all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. And we're going to jump right into your questions. Um, I know I've been neglecting you guys on the chat, and uh, I hate to do that, but uh, it was a busy day, and uh, here we go. Um, Hustle says, I believe District 7, uh, your District 7, and... uh, you know, good people in Osterville, thank goodness. Um, so he's talking about the Barnesville Town Council. We got Osterville and Hyannisport uh, open right now, open seats. And uh, he's also saying, I like this guy for AG. Mike H says, he has my vote. How do I get some yard signs? I dropped the chat. I mean, the link in the chat, uh, attorneyjmcmahon.com. And uh, I also believe the DA for the Cape and Islands is up for election this year. Is there someone better than the current DA? Uh, the three candidates for DA are all good candidates, believe it or not. Um, we have uh, Dan Higgins, I believe his name is. Um, we have Melissa Aldine, and we have um, uh, Jack Carey. All three are great candidates. I don't know who the nominee will be. Um, I like all of them, to be honest with you. Um, and I think they're all very strong supporters of the Second Amendment. Um, so it is up for election this 
this year. And so we'll see who ends up getting the nod or the nomination. Um, I don't know who it is on the Democratic side. Um, I think it's someone from Falmouth, a girl, a lady from Falmouth, a lawyer. Um, And I don't believe she is exactly a good choice uh, based on uh, what I've read so far about her support for the Second Amendment. So anyway, um, that would be unfortunate because the DA's office definitely shapes policy and how they're going to prosecute and what they're going to prosecute um, with, uh, you know, as, a, as it relates to, um, you know, interaction with guns. And so, yeah, that could be a big cluster bomb for us if the wrong person gets in. So anyway, um, and Hustle says he made this argument at the gym. When was the last time a guy with a responsible legal firearm just went in and robbed a 7-Eleven? It doesn't happen. It's always a criminal or someone who doesn't care. Yeah, um, that's exactly right. Like if you've, we talked about it with Jay McMahon in the first hour. If you, you know, go through all the process to jump through the hoops and, and apply for the license and get fingerprinted photographed and then go down and buy the gun and background checked and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, took the class, paid all the fees. I don't think you're doing it to be a career criminal. Um, And maybe that's making the argument for restrictive licensing, but it's also um, showing that gun owners in general, uh, responsible gun owners in general, are not the ones you got to worry about. Um, It's the criminal element and the, uh, you know, there are some people who are criminals that go out and get their license to carry. They go through all the hoops so that they can be the straw purchaser for the, the gang. You know, I know the Hells Angels have used that as a technique in the past. They keep one guy's nose clean so he can qualify on the background check because to be a Hells Angel, you have to commit a felony in the presence of another patched member. And so you're, you're, um, not going to be able to go buy guns if you're committing felonies or you're being present while felonies are being committed. Eventually, they all understand that they're planning on doing 10 years in in prison for whatever crime they've committed. They know that's going to happen. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. So they keep one guy's nose clean so he can go buy guns and supply the, the clubhouse. And this has also happened in gang activity. So it does happen. There are some criminals that go through the process to get the gun so that they can supply the um, the, the, the criminal element of their associates, but usually it's found out pretty quickly. And guess what? They're breaking tons of laws in doing that. So you don't need more laws to prevent them from doing that because they're not going to listen because they're already breaking a whole slew of laws that will, you know, hold, uh, you know, it's like $10,000 in 10 years in prison if convicted for that strawman purchase. Um, they can, so let's convict them on that and put them away for 10 years, the fullest extent of the law. I don't think they should be given good behavior or plea down to a lesser charge. It should be automatic. You, you do that, you commit a straw purchase for, you know, someone who's a prohibited person, then you go to jail and you serve the, uh, 10 years and the person who you were buying the gun for should also get the same sentence. But that's how I feel about that. And then their rights should be restro- restored after they've paid their debt to society. That's the libertarian in me. So <laughs> um, if they're not a you know habitual criminal offender. So anyway, 
It seems like the law isn't written for you to defend yourself in public without being cornered. Yeah, we talked about that a little bit, um, that, you know, that duty to retreat, um, again, is a legal uh, gun pointed at you if you ever did have to defend yourself. Um, I heard an interesting story years ago, actually, on the trip that inspired Brendan and I to open Cape Gunworks, we were at Front Sight and they played this video of a guy who talked about um, being in a restaurant in Nevada and a guy busted through the door with a gun and just randomly started shooting people. And this guy drew his weapon, fired and shot the guy, killed him and, uh, you know, kind of won the day, saved a whole bunch of lives by having a gun on him in that restaurant. And then he was found not guilty, of course, uh, but the family sued him civilly, and it literally bankrupted him. His his employer uh, fired him uh, for just wanting to distance himself from this situation. Uh, the police seized his gun. He had to hire an attorney, and he had to uh, defend himself on the civil side, and it caused such stress in his marriage. He ended up divorced. And all this stuff. And so I think it was five years later, they asked him if you had to do over again, would you have done it? He said, absolutely, 100%. Even with everything I've gone through, the alternative was to die. And that's really what it comes down to. So the legal ramifications of what happened to him and the moral implications of living with having to take somebody's life, um, you know, pale in comparison to having to be shot and killed. So really that's, again, secondary. That's why it's really important to get good legal protection. Um, Will McMahon be on the ballot or is he a write-in? Yes, he's on the ballot. I might have already answered that. Um, So Hustle says he recommends taking classes at Cape Gunworks. Thank you very much. And Mike H. says he would love to see Jeff Deal and Jay McMahon in office for for Massachusetts. Me too. That would be two huge wins for us here in Massachusetts. And I think it's doable, guys. I um, I really do. I think that if we could uh, really paint the picture of what the ramifications are of voting someone uh, like Maura Healy or one of the uh, um, other Democrats running for attorney general and what that could really mean for us in this state is you know, huge. So let's hope that it's, uh, let's hope that cooler heads prevail at the end of the day at the pot, at the ballot box. Um, from the text line, uh, I already answered that about leaving the state. Um, and Gaffaw says, if I buy a pre-band mag in Massachusetts for a Glock, can I carry more than 10 rounds? Yes, you can. Um, Preban magazine is the is the um, made prior to September thirteenth, nineteen ninety four, and there are a bunch around floating around, and so as long as you have one that was made prior to that date, you can absolutely carry as many rounds as the magazine will hold. So there you go. And uh, Smeggy says, I think the new generation is much more libertarian than before. Um, I hope so. I think you're right, and I do think there's a really um, good opportunity. Uh, I don't know if this generation is um, as much a critical thinker as uh, 
I'd like, but I do think they're starting to see what tyranny looks like. And um, I challenge everyone to look at Bill Whittle's video on YouTube uh, that says, I'm an invisible man. And uh, maybe we can drop the link in the chat box. I'll try to find that during the break. And um, that is a uh, really, really good video on what can be done to kind of capture the hearts and minds of the younger younger generation. And uh, I think that 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 is a uh, he he might be on to something. So check it out. I'm not going to ruin it and give you the spoiler alert, but I'd like to you to see it and see what you think. Uh, so 508-444-2120 is the phone number. Feel free to chime in if you have something to talk to me about. We'd love to have you call the show or, or text in, um, and we'll we'll go ahead and uh, address that. Um, Smeggy thinks that as conservatives drop some of their religious moral issues, I think more people will go in that direction. That's a tough one because you got to understand uh, that religious moral issues are the fabric of a lot of people and, um, you know, to violate those issues as someone who's deeply religious is violating yourself and also not, um, standing, you know, it might even be an outright, um, opposition to God, if you will. And, you know, I'm not speaking for everybody, but some people do believe that. And, um, you know, it goes back to like the, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who stood up to Nebuchadnezzar who said, you must worship the image of myself, and if you don't, we'll throw you into the fiery furnace. I mean, if there's ever a picture of tyranny, that's it. And they said, you know what? Save yourself the time and the trouble. I'm not going to bow down and worship it. Um, So, you know, if they were to comply with that or, as you say, you know, kind of shed those religious views, then they would be defying God. And there were probably people who did that because they didn't want to get chucked into the furnace and they compromised on that. Um, but on the other hand, you know, you're, you really have to make a moral stand at some point. And I'm not saying that all politics should be focused on through that lens of religion, but, you know, and I definitely don't think they have to be hand in hand, but there's always going to come the issue of morality and, uh, you know, religious views. And uh, so I understand what your sentiment is. I have plenty of family that feel that way. They're very fiscally conservative and socially conservative, but they don't like the religious right, if you will. And, um, you know, but honestly, they're protected under the same amendments as the agnostic or the atheist. And uh, does it all end up getting a little messy in politics? Yeah. Um, and I was at a friend's house the other night having a little fire pit discussion. And at some point they called the time out and like, no, we're not going to go there. And I said, why? And they said, because the country's so divisive, it always just draws lines in the sand. And I'm like, well, I disagree. I think that we have to be able to engage in a mutually respectful manner, be able to articulate our position and then live with the fact that people don't all agree with us. That makes this world a better place. And if we just want to divide and separate and say, no, we're not going to talk about that here, I mean, we've lost, in my opinion. Now we've become, we're on the slippery slope to dystopia. But anyway, that's a ridiculous uh, 
big thing that we could go down a rabbit trail we could go down and spend the next five hours on so anyway uh don't forget you can sign up for classes at capegunworks.com forward slash classes and uh we got some exciting stuff coming up for you and we'd love to see you in one of our classes you're listening to rapid fire we'll see you on the other side i'm toby later If you're looking for legal protection, text CGWMA to 281-603-0066. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 for a special offer from U.S. Law Shield on self-defense insurance. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 to get a special offer from U.S. Law Shield today. May your tag of a lifetime finally come through. May the snow pile up and the elk come down. May your socks always stay dry. May the herd bull finally break from the herd. And may your aim always stay true. Welcome to the next level. Welcome to the Vortex. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show about guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense, and sometimes cool guns. And right now, Russ is joining us. He is the face of this old gun. And how old are you, Russ? 24. 24. And he has forgotten more than I'll ever know about old guns. And so he's passionate about old guns, so... Why don't you tell us about the show and tell us about what you've been looking at and some of the stuff you're passionate about. Well, it's been happening. Uh, The show releases every week, and it's basically I get to go out and shoot some old guns that come into the store or some guns that some people want to see on the show. And so I'll bring them in or they'll bring them in and I'll shoot them and talk about them a little bit and basically get to have a fun time shooting old guns it's it's an interesting job and an interesting show cool so what's one of the ones you've done recently that just aired or got got released um there was a ruger m77 it was a mark ii that i got to shoot and it was in really really good shape i've worked with a couple of m77s i hadn't seen a mark ii before and this one had a really really nice uh loophole optic on it and it was a pretty straight shooter. It was chambered in 243 Winchester, and it had the the controlled action feed type of bolt with the Mauser type of uh, claw extractor on it, nice. which uh, William B. Ruger was into old guns, and especially in terms of bolt guns and seeing how Remington came out with the 700, and then subsequently Winchester was modernizing their design and getting away from the Mauser type action. He wanted to keep the M77 with, for the most part, he wanted to keep it in terms of a controlled feed uh, Mauser type of action. Mm. Yeah. That was a gun that was on my short list when I was 18 years old, and I wanted I always wanted the M77 heavy barrel target or varmint or, uh, you know, and I wanted to make it into my own version of a sniper rifle for long-range precision rifle. But 
I never bought one. I used to go up to Kittery Trading Post and pick them up off the rack and fondle them and ooh and ah. And, but I never pulled the trigger because it was like burning a week's pay. And, uh, you know, I, I can't say I've never burned a week's pay on a gun before. Uh, pretty guilty as charged. If you look at the one on the desk, that's the first one I did. But anyway, um, getting back to the show. So what are some other guns that you've been checking out lately? Well, a couple of Saturday night specials came in, and they're not the most desirable or the most collectible guns, but there are collectors out there that like to kind of collect them. Some of them just like to collect them and shoot them for fun because they're they're cheap fun, honestly. He's looking at you, G-Webs. <laughs> One of the biggest collectors of Saturday night specials is on the chat right now, so go ahead. <laughs> so Yeah, we had a uh, Raven MP25 and 25 Auto come in. And we, I think we still have the Harrington and Richardson 22, which it was meant more of like a target gun, but it was a small enough gun where if you needed to do your business and dispose of it real fast and real easily, it, it was, it worked. I mean, Ronald Reagan is one of the biggest um, known attempts in terms of a Saturday night special. He was, he was shot in between the armpit. He didn't even know he'd been hit. His assistant was hit right in between the eyes and uh, he was down immediately. Huh. <laughs> so, jeez. Well, um, it's always fun to watch what you do and what you talk about. And uh, Now, does this all like just fall out of your mouth, or do you have to research for each one of these guns? There's a couple of times where I have to double-check my, uh, my facts or my info. <laughs> so, like, there have been a couple of times where I've kind of messed up in the middle of the shot, and I'm like, this happened in... Oh, no, it didn't. Hold on. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's pretty funny, but for the most part, it, I'm able to figure it out. But um, we did just release a uh, website for this old gun. It's capegunworks.com slash TOG for this old gun, and uh, merch coming soon. So. Awesome. <laughs> well, great. Keep up the good work, Russ. We thank you for what you do and your passion for old guns, because somebody's got to do it. And uh, you do it well, so thanks so much. Um, so we'll be right back. This is Rapid Fire. since 1949 family owned and operated legendary performance this is hornady if you're looking for legal protection text cgwma to 281-603-0066 text cgwma to 281-603-0066 for a special offer from U.S. Law Shield on self-defense insurance. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 to get a special offer from U.S. Law Shield today. SnapSafe, featuring a pry-resistant 316-inch solid steel door, 2300-degree Fahrenheit one-hour fire shield protection, and a lifetime warranty. SnapSafe, a modular safe with welded safe security.
Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show, all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. And we're glad you're here talking about guns with us. And uh, big thanks and shout out to Russ, who loves his job, and we love that he loves his job, and we will try to keep him around as long as we can. He flirted with another job and came back quick. He couldn't stay away, so... We're glad he came back. And if you haven't met Russ, he's awesome. So anyway, um, let's get back to your questions. Don't forget, you can call in or text 508-444-2120. Let's see. Can I comment on the availability or lack thereof of the new mass compliance uh, stainless steel Colt Python and mass? Does Cape Gunworks have one? I don't have one in stock at the moment. I wish I did, but um, I don't. And uh, I'm going to look real quick for you and see if I can, if there's any in stock at distribution. Um, but I don't believe there are. Uh, not available from any distributors right now, unfortunately. But um, they, we've had them and we get them. We usually get them directly from Colt, but uh, it's a great gun. I have the four-inch version in my shop right now. You'll see it on the website. Uh, but unbelievably, and if this doesn't, as Mayor Mumbles Menino used to say, fry your nose, I don't know what will. So the Python four-inch, which is four and a quarter-inch barrel, is not mass compliant, but the six-inch is. Because the four and a quarter inch can't be considered a target pistol because it doesn't have a five inch barrel. And they added the Colt Python six inch to the target shooting roster. All of which is being challenged by the Firearms Policy Coalition because the um, Attorney General's regulations and the mass approved weapons roster is a violation of your civil rights because they are not able to be purchased even though they are in common and ordinary use and guess who gets to dictate what common and ordinary use is we the people not the the duly elected or in worst case scenario the unelected like Maura Healy or I'm sorry she is elected but in the case of the federal government the um, ATF which by the way uh, there's a challenge to the um, ATF, their ability to write policy based on that EPA ruling that came down from SCOTUS. So stay tuned for that. That's exciting because, um, you know, it it basically says that government agencies cannot ultimately write law, which is pretty obvious to everybody that I guess the legislature has abdicated their duties to these governmental uh, unelected officials and these three-letter agencies, one of which is ATF, even though I guess technically it's a four-letter agency. But <laughs> um, I digress. Uh, that's for you, HPS. Um, so anyway, they are challenging the uh, fact that they shouldn't be able to write law or ena- enact policy, which would lead to people being arrested and their their uh, property being seized and being prosecuted as if it was a law. So anyway, um, 
I hope that they are extremely successful in that under the light of that Second Amendment, um, I'm sorry, the Supreme Court ruling uh, that the EPA did not have uh, that Chevron deference to write law, basically, by their policy-making activities. So anyway, um, stay tuned for that. So let's get back to your questions, and you can always talk, uh, call in or chat, um, hit the text at 508-444-2120, but you got to be quick because we're, we're wrapping up quickly. It's why they call it rapid fire. Redonk didn't realize that there's a gun twitch channel. Uh, that's neat. Yeah, we're on Twitch. So tune in, man. Rapid fire. Um, and uh, let's see. G Web said he saw the post that uh, Russ did on the Saturday night specials. So there you go. Um, and the Raven post on Instagram or YouTube. I think it was on YouTube. And Vineyard says. My first old gun was a 3040 Krag carbine, and for an old gun, it was amazingly accurate. Um, I actually did have a 3040 Krag rifle for about a day and a half, uh, and I didn't know what the heck it was. I thought it was some alien life form. Uh, it had that trap door on the side of the gun, this big box sticking out the side, and, and you flip it open, and you top load it, and close it, and then you bolt action. It was pretty cool. It was a smooth operator, and I'm like, what the heck is 3040 Craig? I was 18 years old, and I'd never heard of such an animal. I brought it to an old-timer gun collector in my area, uh, not gun collector, but gun dealer. It was one of those kitchen table gun dealers, and uh, this guy was a hot ticket, man, uh, really an old timer and you'd go into his living room and I showed it to him and he, he feigned interest in it, even though he had like a pile and a half of 30, 40 Craig's in the corner. And, you know, he told me a little bit about it and, uh, but, and looked down the bore and said, Oh, holy cow, this thing is terrible. And, uh, yeah, I'll give you $75. And I said, $75, that's ridiculous. Yeah, the barrel's no good. And, you know, but they're a good flat shooting deer rifle. And, and so um, I said, ah, 75 bucks, I'll keep it for 75 bucks. And then he started to get more interested in it. And uh, finally, I traded him straight up for a lever action 22, which was probably worth about 75 bucks at the time. It was a tube fed lever action 22. And, uh, you know, I probably didn't get the better of that deal. But I will say, that I went out to the range and had one of the funnest days of my life with that lever action 22, shooting tennis balls and tin cans and making them walk all the way down the range and soda bottles. I, I kind of went down there like, oh, I'm going to shoot this gun. And yeah, I kind of probably got taken. I had this cool war relic and now I got this lever action 22. I don't even remember what kind it was. It might've been a Rossi or something like that, but I uh, threw a bunch of cans out, loaded up the tube, and had one of the funnest days on the range. I was sitting there, just couldn't, I, I you couldn't wipe the, you know what, uh, eating grin off my face. I was, I was just having a ball. And, um, you know, I think I was all by myself, too, shooting tennis balls and shooting all kinds of reactive targets, probably violating all kinds of rules at the range at the, you know, I don't know, but it was safe. I was putting everything into the berm, I promise. Uh, but shooting some steel, shooting some targets, shooting some cans, shoot. It was just a wonderful day at the range that didn't break the bank. Cause I probably 
out of the 550 round brick that I bought at Walmart for $10.99. Yes, I'm dating myself. I probably, you know, used 400 of those rounds that day and had a ball. So it was one of those good days at the range. So we've all had them. You know, I know you guys have all had a similar experience with your favorite gun, but it was a, it took a disappointment of a purchase into a euphoric memory that I'll remember for the rest of my life. And I tell that story every time someone is debating whether or not to buy a lever action 22. And usually they walk out with it under their arm after hearing that story and come back and thank me. So uh, I didn't steer them in the wrong direction, I promise. It was a good shooting, fun gun. And uh, if you don't own one, you should get one. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Rapid Fire. We're here uh, every week, and uh, we, we appreciate everyone tuning in. Even though the show ends here, you can go back and listen to past episodes at rapidfireradio.us or call and leave us a message on the Rapid Fire line, 508-444-2120. Remember to keep up the fight in your local community. Do good work. Be an advocate in your community about what a responsible gun advocate looks like and put on the face of responsible gun ownership. Together as Americans, we can overcome and do anything. Freedom is always on the right side of history. I'm Toby Leary. God bless, and we'll see you next time. Thanks so much. Thanks so much.